past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Hello and welcome to the Career Confidant and we're glad you're joining us here today and you are going to be glad that you join us because we have Barbara Bissonette as our guest today and Barbara is an expert in helping people with Asperger's and autism on, on the spectrum find employment and so Barbara we're so glad that you've joined us here today. Oh well thanks I'm delighted to be participating yeah, and one of the things that we know is that people on the spectrum can oftentimes have trouble with unemployment or underemployment. And in fact, the data shows 80 to 85% of those folks may be un or underemployed. Tell us a little bit about why that is. Sure. Uh, and, you know, I think there are actually several factors at play here. Uh, and one of them is really all of the social demands that are related to employment. So, for example, we know that these days most people find their jobs through some type of networking, right? And if you're a person on the spectrum, all of that interpersonal communication, right, and understanding the perspectives of other people, you know, those are all the difficult areas. So right away, someone is going to be at a disadvantage. Uh, Certainly there can be a lot of difficulty with misunderstanding interview questions, right? Maybe being a little too direct or blunt, right, that can get in the way of an offer. Uh, And then I think another thing is over the past, I'll say, what, maybe 15, 20 years, there really has been a change with employers putting a much greater emphasis on teamwork, Right, and collaboration with other people. So we don't really have you know, the individual contributors right, and people who are able to work pretty independently. Uh, and finally, I think a factor is, while I'll agree that there is definitely more awareness among employers of Asperger's, the autism spectrum, I don't know that it really has translated into a greater understanding of how do I modify the interview process so I can really understand someone's abilities and not get caught up in social gaffes, right? Or when the person is employed, how can I manage him or her so that they can be successful? Yeah, there's a lot of challenges with the not just knowing about it, but actually doing something about it, right? Correct. <laughs> Yeah, and and the challenges that you said earlier for the job seeker, when everything has gone more virtual and everything is is also more important in terms of the the social skills, it really is a a rough combination, especially right now. Correct, and you know, and this applies to individuals. Uh, who you know may have four-year college degrees or, or master's degrees, right? Sometimes I work with who are really struggling, uh, as well as people who may be at a place of really looking for more of an entry-level, right, type of job. Yeah, and that um, 
You know, what's interesting, so we were talking about this in one of our other programs about the virtual interview and how that can be specifically challenging for neurodiverse individuals because they don't read social cues the same. Have you seen clients that are struggling more now with the virtual cues? You know, it's a couple, I actually, for some people, the virtual actually works better, right, because I don't have to travel, I'm in my familiar, right, place, my home where I live, uh, and, you know, for some people, just being in a new environment and that idea of actual face-to-face physically with people can really create a lot of anxiety. So there's one group who say, actually, this works better for me. All right, but then other people who do really struggle, uh, and some say it just isn't, you know, if, I, if it's just the telephone uh, or even if I'm seeing someone on Zoom or, or Skype, uh, that it really is different, uh, and they can be missing more of signals that they might be picking up if they were directly sitting in front of someone. Uh, So I think it really depends. And then other times what can happen is an individual isn't really thinking about how do I need to prepare, right, if I am having a video interview. So maybe my computer is in a place where uh, most of my head isn't visible on the screen, right, and I just don't think to even check that out and be aware of it. Or sometimes I'll role play with clients and we might see someone and now maybe they're in their bedroom and we see this all kinds of clutter in the background, right, that's showing up and not even, once again, realizing how distracting that would be to an employer, right, and could really be sending the wrong message. Oh, here's someone who their, you know, home place is pretty sloppy. Maybe their work is sloppy, too. Right. So those are some things, too, that maybe you wouldn't even be thinking Right, to really go through a cl- with a client, uh, but you would want to if you're working with someone on the spectrum. Yeah, so what else is important for career professionals to know about how uh, autism or Asperger's impacts, impacts employment? You know, I think one of the primary things is you really have to get to know your client, all right, and the person you're working with, because we're truly dealing with a heterogeneous population, all right, so not everyone on the spectrum is going to have all of the symptoms. They may not have them to the same degree. All right, so, and I know in my practice, I work with some people who are struggling with very entry-level jobs. And then I also have people who are professionals like doctors and lawyers. Right? I've had people in all kinds of corporate positions, right? They're earning the six-figure salaries. And you know what's so interesting, we can see some of the same patterns of the challenges, but obviously, depending on the person, they're going to you know, um, come out in very different ways. Right? So you've really got to understand what's the impact of Asperger's or autism on that particular individual and realize that we're not going to have you know, one particular program or one technique that's really going to answer the needs for everyone. And then I think another thing is to really be wary of placing too much emphasis on the results of career assessments. And I think these tools can certainly be helpful, but we have to remember that they were developed by and for people who are not on the spectrum. So they're not kind of taking into account all the other things that we would want to be aware of 
when we're working with these clients. Uh, and, you know, one thing I just want to mention here, too, when we're using these terms, Asperger's and autism spectrum, uh, and just to make sure if someone isn't familiar, uh, in 2013 in the United States, Asperger's was removed as a distinct diagnosis. All right, and it became part of this very broad autism spectrum disorder. But what I find is the term Asperger's continues to be used really as a descriptor. So we kind of understand on this very broad continuum, who are we speaking about? All right, and certainly in my practice, I'm working with people who either have or they're seeking uh, a market-level competitive employment okay, type of job not people who are in uh, a heavily supported kind of employment situation. So I just want to clarify that and make sure there's no confusion when we're, I'm kind of using these terms interchangeably. Yes, yeah, that's good because we, you know, we might not know that. And, and like you said, it's important for us just to recognize the challenges of our individual clients. And we, they might not even share with us that they're on the spectrum, but we might see some signs that communication is a struggle for them. And I know that those are different, but some of the strategies that you shared in the training that we did uh, last year, I thought, well, I could use these with clients who are struggling, even though they may not be on, on the spectrum, uh, they may be struggling for other reasons. And of course, the information you were just sharing about video is applicable to all our clients, although, uh, <laughs> you know, they may not notice it for different reasons. If you've got a, you know, somebody else have a different reason for why they might not notice that despite, um, despite the visual cues. So uh-huh. let's talk a little bit about if I'm, I'm trying to make a career decision as an individual on the spectrum or uh, trying to help them if I'm a career professional, what, what should we know about kind of the traditional format of career decisions where we're based on interest? And that doesn't necessarily work for everyone, and especially for, for people, individuals on this on the spectrum. Tell us a little bit about why. Sure, and this is one of the mistakes that I just see so commonly in my practice. And, you know, I'm not suggesting that you wouldn't look at a person's interests, all right, and, the, and they're not important. The mistake I see happening is when that becomes the primary uh, you know, uh, thing that I'm looking at to make a career decision. All right, and the problem when we get so over-focused on interest for someone on the spectrum, all right, now we're not really looking at and thinking about, well, what are the actual jobs? I have an interest maybe in this particular topic or the subject matter, all right, but if I'm not really doing the research to be looking and saying, all right, if I pursued becoming qualified, right, whatever way I need to, to be in this industry, uh, what I notice is people are not really looking to say, well, what are the actual jobs that are available? What kind of skills does a person need or have to acquire to do this job? And really look and say, is this a match for this particular individual? And particularly when we're talking about the autism spectrum, we have to be thinking about a lot of elements of the work environment, Right, that for the average person are not going to pose a problem, but could really get in the way right, if I'm someone who has Asperger's syndrome. And so many times, if I'm working with someone and we're doing some career exploration, and, you know, and I say, well, what kind of you know, job have you thought about? And they may be telling me about something. And then I say, well, what do you see yourself doing? 
once you're actually working in the field. And so many times a client will say to me, I don't know, I haven't really thought about it. Right? And we don't want to get to a situation where someone has invested a lot of time, a lot of money and energy into pursuing some form of education and then to find out after the fact, I'm really not suited right, to any of the jobs that will be available to me. Yeah, that research is so important for all of our clients to really think about how will they be in that job. And I always talk to clients that, you know, are you interested in the type of work is just one facet. It's also the daily things that you'll do are those things you want to do all the time every day. And, and is that work environment a good fit as well? And so we're going to talk a little bit more about that specifically and, and why work environment is so important when we come back in just a few minutes. And we are, we're just so excited to be talking to you, Barbara. I know you're a, you're a partner for Career Thought Leaders, and some of our professionals have gone through your training. So Barbara also trains people in how to coach individuals on the Asperger's and employment system. So I'm excited that you're here and we'll be back to talk more about how the work environment is so important and what we can do to help clients navigate that in just a few minutes. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at Leadership Forum INC. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Redis is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on The Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. 
Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and today we're talking with Barbara Bissonnette about how uh, individuals with autism or Asperger's can find the best work for them. And Barbara, we were just talking about how, you know, the virtual job search has has made this different and some people may prefer it. Um, You know, we've talked a little bit about how some types of bias are eliminated by virtual interviews. And then for some people, it may make it worse. And so for Mm -hmm. an individual who's trying to help someone, we just want to make sure we're paying attention to our individual client challenges. But one of the things that you've said is so important for people um, on the spectrum is this idea of really figuring out what the work environment looks like. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I've found in my experience that work environment can be as, or sometimes it's even more important for a person's success on the job. Right? And I think uh, one reason for this really relates to the way that people on the spectrum are processing information. All right, And by this, I mean, we see this, uh, what's known as the data-driven processing style. Right, so I come into a situation and right away I'm very focused on the details all right, versus really seeing the big picture. It may take me a while right, to get to that big picture view or, or maybe I can get you know, so caught up in all the little details that it's, it's really hard uh, to kind of see what's, uh, the, you know, the bigger thing of what's going on. Uh, but because of this, uh, I find that typically... Uh, individuals are going to do best in jobs that have a fair amount of structure to them. All right, so it's very clear to me what do I need to do, right, and how do I need to do it. Okay, so that structure uh, uh, certainly is one piece. Uh, and then another way I like to conceptualize it is when I think about the average person in the workplace, I would say we're really like multitasking generalists. Right, we have a lot of different skill sets. Um, we are pretty adaptable to new situations. All right, and then I think about someone with Asperger's. Now, I'm really the person who is going to have deeper knowledge in a more narrow subject area. So I'm going to be more of the specialist or the technician right, in the workplace. Uh, and I think that's a very good way as uh, anyone who may be guiding someone uh, to be thinking about the right type of job, right? To kind of really focus, um, you know, focus on this, this deeper knowledge, less things to be worried about or taken care of. Uh, and the other thing is that I found, I've been specializing, by the way, in this area, working with this population since 2006. And uh, my clients have been so, uh, uh, just so similar when they're describing the right type of environment. Right, and another element is at least some routine. All right, and people, you know, on the spectrum generally don't like surprises. I don't want to be encountering a lot of novel situations every day. All right, we also know that these folks are very literal, right, with their language and hearing language uh, from other people. So also uh, having very explicit instruction. All right, can be important to make sure, am I really doing what my supervisor wants me to do? Uh, and a great example of how this literalness sometimes can really get in the way, uh, you know, imagine that we have a supervisor who, you know, really needs this big report finished, and I come up to my employee who's on the spectrum, 
And, you know, I say, boy, how's that report coming? Right? Now, someone, this employee probably is going to hear that very literally and say, gee, everything is going fine. Right? But then I'm missing the real message there, right, that was coming out nonverbally with the tone of voice and, you know, maybe I'm kind of standing next to this person. So I'm not picking up that, boy, I really need to start working faster here. Right? It's a critical report. We need to get this finished now. All right, so, so just kind of these environments, right, where I'm going to be able to give that kind of really specific instruction. All right, and then I think generally, too, the ability to focus on one task at a time, so not too much multitasking, that rapid shifting of, of uh, attention from one task to another. All right, and generally those are the environments where people are going to do best. Yeah, and I've seen too, and we touched on this a little bit at the beginning, but that shift to more collaborative work and team-based work was a struggle for some of my clients, older clients who are on the spectrum that were in the workplace, some very, you know, very highly qualified. And then as they moved into this place where those roles were shifting and the expectations were shifting, they struggled a little bit with how to communicate and set it up for themselves to be successful. And yeah, when you think about it, because, you know, this is one of the, the difficulties Right, for someone on the spectrum is being able to kind of, you know, get a sense of what is someone else's, maybe they have a different perception, uh, maybe they have different needs within the workplace, right, depending on their projects or, or if we're bringing together people from different departments, right, and trying, you know, even being able to see that maybe I have to shift the kind of information I'm giving one person in one area of the company might be different than another, so, yeah, it really, and it's very unfortunate that I've had the cases sometimes of people who did fine, right, worked for a company for several years, and then I get moved into that kind of role where I have to interact a lot more with others, and they wind up losing their jobs. Yeah, which obviously was the case for my client because they were coming to me for help. So one of the (laughs) frequent questions that I get from other career services providers and sometimes job seekers is what do we do to communicate this? uh, Sometimes people will call it a disability, although I don't like that word. But what do we do to communicate this on our resume or do we communicate it on a resume that we're on the spectrum? And then also in an interview, is it appropriate and how do we address it? So let's talk about those two things, both on a resume or application and then in an interview. Uh, Is this a good thing for clients to divulge? Right. You know, I think on this whole topic of disclosure, a lot really depends on a particular person, the job, or their employment situation. So I don't think that there's one right answer for everyone. Uh, but generally, my thinking is, if, you know, to be disclosing that I'm on the autism spectrum on an application or resume, uh, unless the individual is going to need assistance putting in their application, Right, or maybe I say I have challenges that I realize are, you know, going to be very noticeable and hard to control. Well, then it may really be in my interest, right, or I have to tell the employer if I need assistance to let them know that I'm on the spectrum, 
All right. And uh, so, again, if they may be noticing that I, uh, you know, have this difficulty maybe with some of the communication and taking things literally, right, then they're just going to understand, right, please ask the question in a different way, right, and then I'll get a chance to talk about my abilities, but I feel if a person is saying, you know what, I'm, I'm pretty confident. I believe that I can get through the interview. Uh, you know, my feeling is why bring up a potential problem, right, before I've really had a chance to get in there and talk about what I can do. And it's kind of a similar thing on an interview. So, again, if someone has a really noticeable challenge, right, I think it can be good to disclose, right, and just to let the employer know right, that if you're noticing I'm taking something very literally uh, or, uh, you know, these behavioral interview questions, if I'm really having a hard time, you know, understanding, can you give me an example, right, of what you mean and the information that you're looking for? All right, I've certainly had cases where I've worked with people who've been looking for jobs and having regular interviews for 14 months, 18 months, you know, a few even over a couple of years, and if we can really get a good disclosure strategy to, you know, be mentioning briefly what other people might be noticing and how it's not going to be a factor on the job, right, and then really talking and, and well about our qualifications, I've had those long-term job seekers within three or four months get hired. And I certainly think one thing that can help is because now there are so many people identified on the autism spectrum uh, and so many people who would say I have a connection to someone, whether it's in my family, uh, maybe it's, you know, a neighbor's kid or, or you know, someone at my workplace. Uh, sometimes that can work in your favor of someone being much more understanding. So if there is a disclosure and saying, yeah, and I understand, though, I can just, you know, be handling things differently here to really evaluate what this candidate can do. Yeah, there's an opportunity to have that conversation, but as you said, maybe not on the resume or application. One of the things we were chatting about, I think in the Career Thought Leaders colleague Facebook group, was if someone really wanted to find a way to share that on their resume, they could put some involvement in the community. So if they're involved in you know, uh, autism or Asperger's, community group or, you know, some kind of advocacy group, they could put that on their resume. It doesn't necessarily disclose that they themselves are, but it would at least open the door for the conversation. And and then in the interview, what I hear you saying is that we need to think specifically how it will appear in the interview or on the job so that we can communicate some specific ways that we'll either need accommodation or that they we can help ourselves be more successful by, like you said, asking for examples or being prepared for what might come up and, and how do we want to address that, how, how we might bring this up if for some reason we think that we need to for accommodation, etc. So, Last question here. What are the best jobs for someone with autism? And I get asked that question question so frequently. frequently. Uh, And, you know, there really is not a, quote, short list of the right jobs uh, because, as I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, this population, people are so different, right, from each other. 
And I certainly have had, you know, clients who are in what we would think more of the traditional uh, kinds of jobs uh, for someone who is more of a process, literal, data-driven thinker, right, such as things in the high technology field, uh, engineering, uh, and medical professions. But then I've also had clients who are in creative fields, all right, or uh, even retail sales associate. I've had a couple of sales managers, right, when it's the kind of product where I'm talking to, you know, people have a kind of a niche level of expertise, right, in a very technical field. So I've had a couple who have been very successful, right, even in a sales situation, right, when it's the right kind of product in, in these type of environments, right. Uh, I've had individuals who work in warehouses, right, uh, driving buses. So it really is quite varied. And to me, really, when we're thinking about the right kind of job, it's putting together four areas, understanding a person's interests, right, their abilities. And then we've got to look at, for that person, what's going to be the right work environment, and then how does Asperger's autism impact that specific individual Mm, that's powerful. Well, I really appreciated having you on, Barbara. Tell people how they can connect to you and find out more about what you do. Sure. Well, one thing people can do is visit my website. Uh, my company, again, is Forward Motion Coaching. The website is www.forwardmotion.info, I-N-F-O. And certainly, and by the way, I do have some free guides on there, too, uh, related to employment, so you could, anyone could download those uh, automatically. Uh, I can also be reached by email, which is barbara at forwardmotion.info. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And if you're listening, we're going to say goodbye to Barbara, but we're going to come back in just a few minutes and kind of uh, unwind this a little bit and talk about other things that might be going on in your work life that you wonder how you should bring up with your employer. So we'll be right back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. 
are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Hello and welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we were talking with Barbara Bissonette of Forward Motion Coaching about how you or someone in your life, or if you're a career service provider, how you can best help individuals on the Asperger's and autism spectrum to up-level their employment. And, you know, it's interesting when we think about addressing a, a challenge throughout the employment process, there's always that... Um, you know, that challenge of how do you address that throughout the employment process and is it going to help you or hurt you and, and what does that look like? And these are all individual questions. It's hard to give a blanket answer. When I think about the application process and, and the job search process, you know, it really starts with networking. And people always think about, oh, it starts with that application and what are you going to put on your resume and all those things. That really starts with networking and becoming the known quantity for an individual who's hiring so that you don't feel like a risk. And that's what employers are trying to do throughout the employment process is, is really decrease their risk. Now, as Barbara and I were talking about at the very beginning of the show, one of the challenges for people on, on the spectrum and, and people with other types of challenges in, is that networking is not anybody's favorite thing to do, but it is definitely more challenging for individuals on the spectrum. And so how can we make it work for you? How can we make it work for an, each individual? And what does that look like? And when I talk to individuals about networking, that's where we always start. You know, what works for you? What types of interactions are the best types of interactions for you? And how can you expand your network in a way that feels as comfortable as possible for you? And I remember talking to a client that I had a while ago, and we were having this this conversation. And the idea of admitting that this client didn't know everything was such a challenge because we were talking about having the you know informational conversations go and do some career research about what it would be like to work in this industry or in this job and that was just something that was very uncomfortable that admitting that I'm not an expert and asking questions and approaching it in that manner wasn't going to work and so we talked about well, what other things are you an expert in that you might want to talk to people about. And we decided on photography. So photography was one of the areas that this person enjoyed and, and wanted to learn more about and knew enough about to have a, a comfortable conversation, but also could have, a, you know, a, a more casual conversation with individuals. So they went to this networking group about photography and met new people and had conversations and it didn't have to be about their job search right away it was about photography and what types of cameras that people were using and why they were using those types of cameras etc etc right talking about things that were comfortable 
conversations that were expected and building a little bit of confidence there and relationship there before they started to do some of the the job search conversations that we were talking about. And then we also looked at how could they approach conversations in a way that did feel more comfortable. So they weren't asking questions necessarily where they came across as not knowing, but they came across as being interested and and thinking about it in a different way and asking the questions in in a little bit different way. That's what the individualized approach that most of us who are coaches work with our clients through those pieces. But if you're a job seeker or you're just starting out in this industry and you see things that say, you know, this is how to conduct job search or this is how to conduct a networking and meeting, that may not work for many, if if not most of our clients. We really have to think about how does it gonna how is it gonna work for them? And how can we help them co-create a strategy that feels comfortable to them? Because otherwise, they're just not going to do it, right? And and this is one of the keys. So then we get into the application process. The application process is really all about marketing. It's about highlighting my best stuff to meet that employer's need. Now, pharmaceutical commercials may have to provide all of the bad stuff that happens when you use a a product but our job seeker does not have to tell all of the bad things that may hire happen when they hire them right there's you don't have to come with disclaimers so there's no reason for an applicant to disclose things unless they feel like it's unless they feel like it's going to help them Those are things that can come in later in the conversation. If they need accommodation, they can ask that in a way that doesn't necessarily have to disclose. So if they are finding that video interviews just aren't working for them, they could find out, does the company have an alternative? A lot of companies have figured this out and they're starting to do things differently. They could ask, what the process is going to look like and be as prepared as possible. They could ask for their accommodation for, you know, just that this is what they need instead of feeling like they have to explain it. We oftentimes feel like we have to explain everything and we really don't. We have to address the gaps. We have to market ourselves towards what's the most important pieces of information, but we really don't have to explain everything. Figure out what those gaps might be, what the challenges might be, what the tricky questions might be, and come up with answers that are factual, true, but not detailed and drama. So how can we communicate them in a way that really just sticks to the point? Get to the point, stick to the point, and don't feel like we have to go into more detail than is necessary. And this is true for all applicants that have any kinds of challenges, but specifically when people have something that they feel like they they should disclose, let's talk through why, what are the pros and cons, and what could they do to communicate that in a different way that may not raise those red flags and, and open the person up to discrimination before they've even had their opportunity to get their foot in the door. 
and what might that look like and how might that work for them specifically. I worked with people who've had all kinds of challenges that they felt like they might have to disclose from incarcerations to, um, you know, syndromes, fetishes, interesting things that people think they need to disclose. And we always have the conversation around why and what does that look like and what is the real purpose that we're trying to get across in, in, in the application. Remembering that the application is really about showing my qualifications as they align to the job, not about having to detail out every little thing that isn't especially when it isn't asked for specifically in the job application. Might they do a credit check? Yes, we want to be thoughtful of that. Might they do a background check? Yes. How will we address that? Not that those go to necessarily specific to people on the spectrum, but we all have something that we think, is this going to get in my way? And let's really think through that and how we address it before we communicate it on our materials or in an interview just to really think about what is the purpose what am I trying to get across and how do I connect this to what the employer really needs to know because that's where we're headed what does the employer really need to know to know that I'm qualified to do this position and that's the information that I want to share that's the information that they need now if I have some in inkling that disclosing may be a benefit to me you know and this maybe I've got uh, maybe I'm on the spectrum and I'm applying to an organization that is also dealing with the you know a nonprofit that works with other individuals then I might think okay this is something that I can disclose tell my story maybe it's in the cover letter if I'm transitioning out of the military, same thing. Do I know that this is going to be a, a benefit? It's going to be something that the company looks at favorably. Then how might I want to disclose that and connect connect the dots there? But I'm always hesitant and careful, too, about making sure we connect to what's the value for the employer. Because the story in and of itself may or may not disclose or, or communicate that value. We really want to connect the dots between that story, whatever it might be, and how it adds value to the employer. And when we do that, our materials will be much stronger, but our, op- our application and job search process will be much stronger from top to bottom. So we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, talk about how you might talk about some of these things in an interview, and especially when those sticky situations come up in the interview. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America. 
America is heading over a fiscal cliff, home prices are still receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And let's talk about sticky interview issues. So a lot of times the challenges that come up in an interview don't lead directly from a question. So it's unlikely that an interviewer is going to ask you, tell me about your challenges with communication. They are going to ask a question where your answer to those things are going to show that, demonstrate that, or where perhaps if we haven't thought about the story that we're going to tell, we're going to talk ourselves into that issue. They might say, tell us about a time when you've dealt with a challenging boss or a challenging customer. And if we haven't thought about our answer, we might reveal more than we'd like to reveal in that situation. Now, we always want to answer those questions with something true, a true situation, a true story, because otherwise we're starting off our whole interview on a bad bad footing. However, we get to choose the story and we get to choose which parts of it we tell. And that's where the preparation piece comes in. Now you may get an illegal question around, you know, do you have kids or tell us about your family or do you plan to move for this job? And some of those questions may be inappropriate, some of them may be illegal, and we have to figure out ahead of time how we want to answer some of those things. Now, most of the, that's not going to come up that often. You want to be thinking about what questions is the interviewer likely to ask, and what will I answer, and how might my answers, perhaps even somewhat subconsciously, be indicating something that I don't want to point out. So in the case of someone who's on the autism spectrum, for instance, they may ask, tell me about a time when you had a a challenge with a boss. And if I haven't thought about that and practiced it, my first reaction might be, oh, my my communication skills are bad. I struggle to take cues from people. And so the story that I'm telling reveals those things in a not, not in a good way, because it's a lot of fear and anxiety directing me to answer in a way that isn't maybe even isn't the true story, right? It, it may be me making the story worse than it was because I'm a, afraid of those negatives that everyone has, by the way, getting found out by the empl- employer. So the 
example that Barbara was talking about earlier, where someone says, you know, how is that project coming along? When what they really meant was we need to get that finished sooner because, you know, although we said this was the deadline, now it seems like everyone wants us to be done with it faster. If I am not noticing social cues, I might not catch on to that. And so when I'm in the interview and someone says, tell me about a time when you missed a deadline, I might freeze and start to think of that story and then tell it in a way that doesn't portray the truth or doesn't portray what I did to handle it. Or it may just not be the best story to tell because I want to tell about a time when I was able to manage it well, even though it was a conflict, because that's what the question is really looking for. Tell me about a time that you've managed that conflict. These are all of the negative questions that it's important for us to think about how we might answer. And we can come up with stories that demonstrate those so that then when we tell that story, we are ready to tell the story. We have the story put together and we're telling the truth about how we accomplished that task without necessarily having to air our, our dirty laundry, right? That's Everybody makes mistakes, everybody fails. And although that may be sounds like what the question is asking, it's really not what they're asking. They're asking you to tell us about a time that you addressed that challenge. And, and they want to see a time that you were successful because that shows them your work style. How do you solve those challenges? Talking about a time when you really did fail and, and fail miserably or got fired that's really not what they're asking with that question. Now they might ask, have you ever been fired? And you wanna have your story put together for that if that happened as well. Just the facts, no drama, and, and the details that are important to tell the story but not beyond that. So these challenging questions come up in, in any interview. And if you get a question that you think is illegal or inappropriate, you always have a few options. So you could call them on it. Well, that question doesn't seem appropriate for the discussion that we're having right now. Or can you tell me a little bit more about how that is relevant to this role? So for instance, if they asked, do you have kids? Can you tell me a little bit more about how that's relevant to this role? Most interviewers will rec recognize that they slipped Perhaps they didn't really mean to ask that question and just the line of questioning led them there for some ridiculous reason. And they might say, oh, you know, let's move to the next question. That's our hope, right? Is that we can get away with it without too much conflict by simply saying, can you tell me about how that's appropriate for this position or how that's relevant for this role? You could answer what you think they're asking. So if they're asking, you know, I see that you put, you have, you're in the autism community. Do you have a child that has autism? You could answer it. Yes, I do. And this is some of what I've learned from that. And you can decide if that's what you want to do. You could say, how is that appropriate to this position? Although if you put it on your resume, you're kind of opening the door for that. Or you could say, you know, actually I myself have, have autism and I've learned to overcome it by doing these things. And these are still some of the accommodations that I talk to my, my teammates about so that I can be successful in a team. If you've come up with that answer and you've practiced it, it will 
do as best as it can do to connect and, and share your true story to the employer. And then, of course, we have to think about, will that mean that they might not hire me? And, and is that okay with me? And for some of us, that may be true. And for some others, it may not be true. So you just want to think about how you want to bring that up. You can also say, you know, I don't feel like that's an appropriate question. It's a little confrontational, maybe harder to keep moving forward, but that's appropriate to say if you really don't feel like it's an appropriate question. If they ask if you're, if you've struggled with conflict in the past, you could ask, you know, well, why I'm curious as to why you would ask that. Maybe they've heard something. Maybe you've, you know, maybe you have a former employee out there saying something negative about you. I don't know. Well, one of the things that I often find is that they ask those questions when they really mean to ask something else. So do you have any kids, for instance, could mean that they're asking, will you be needing time off? And so you might address that. You know, oh, I've found I've found ways to work 40 hours plus for the last two years, and I really enjoy being part of a team, even though I'm, I'm working from home. I had a client once that was worked from home for a long time and was trying to get another job, and that kept coming up as a negative. <laughs> Funny now that she'd be in demand, that she had all this experience working from home. But people would ask her, you know, well, how have you been working from home? And she didn't really have a good answer for that. So if you have something that it, you are a little bit uncomfortable with or you think might be a challenge, come up with a good answer for that. Figure out how it connects to value for the employer or the questions that you want to ask to help clarify, is this really the right conversation to be having? Those are my two favorite ways to handle it. Either asking the question, how is that relevant to this role? Or answering the question that they're really asking, even if they've asked it in maybe not the best way. So if you're having uh, individuals in your life that have Asperger's or autism, I hope you'll check out Barbara's resources at forwardmotioncoaching.info. She has some excellent resources there. And we will see you right back here again next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.